Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. Liquidchurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web. All right, well, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. Respect, one of the signature um, anthems of the 60s. You guys know who actually sings that, right? Aretha Franklin, right? I love that Tara sang that. Tara, that was doubly impressive, really, for two reasons. She is, she is thin and she is white. I thought that was amazing. Um, respect, powerful song, really the perfect intro to this week, which is part two of our Love and Respect series. And um, if you're just joining us, what we're doing is we're taking a look at male-female relationships, really through the, the filter of Ephesians 5. 33, and that is a foundational verse in the Bible, which reveals a little-known secret about the deepest needs that God Himself has placed in the heart of every man and every woman. Uh, just as a refresher, let's kind of uh, read the Apostle Paul's words together here. Each one of you must what? Love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And this is an incredible verse. It's very revealing. It's a summary statement, really, of the Bible's most significant chapter on, uh, on, on marriage. But it's more than just about marriage. It's about relationships, male and female. We see a critical distinction about being made here about the core needs of a woman and the core needs of a man. Above all else, Paul writes, a woman needs to feel love that is cherished, nurtured, embraced, valued for who she is apart from how she looks or how she performs. And uh, on the other hand, the same way, this is the surprising part, that a man needs to feel not love but respect, honored, appreciated, sincerely admired for who he is apart from how he performs. In other words, Paul's saying, the Beatles lied. They all said, all you need is love, right? Not so much according to the Bible. That's half of the equation, okay? And uh, according to God, respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, is the core value or primary drive of the masculine soul. And that's one of the, we really have the most difficulty understanding, I think, isn't it? Um, love is a primary theme in the world around us, um, but respect is kind of an elusive concept. We don't really get that that too much. We, have, we usually have kind of a, a popular culture image of that. We think like, you know, Show a man, you're like, respect, like, oh, like, you know, in the mob, you know, like, like, Vito, you have to show respect for la familia, you know? Like, it's a godfather kind of thing, or, or like, gangster culture. It's like, yo, I had to cap him, he wasn't showing me proper respects, you know? Um, we draw those, those silly images of respect, really, from, from popular culture, but authentic respect is foundational to any male-female relationship, that, that in, includes a man, which, which would be most of them. So let me try to kind of amplify this concept for you. I don't know if you've ever seen this. This is what's called an amplified Bible. And basically, this is a translation that expands or, or amplifies the Bible's meaning in its original languages. And, and listen to the amplified version of Ephesians 5, 33. It says, uh, Let each man of you, without exception, love his wife as, being in a sense, his very own self. And let the wife sees that she respects and reverences her husband. And it says, and this is what the real meaning is, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates, esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. And now some of the guys are like, okay, give me that version of the Bible. Can I get that at the Welcome Center? That is awesome. <laughs> There's a lot packed in that biblical concept of respect towards a man in relationship. If you look, just look at the, the shades of meaning that scripture highlights here. It's like Paul saying, uh, women, it's not critical that you, that you love the man, but that you respect and reverence him and you, and you notice, you regard, you honor him. 
you, you praise and you love. Notice love is included in respect. And you admire him exceedingly. And it's like, whoa, this is the language of men. For men, the core value is not all lovey-dovey, L-O-V-E. He spells love R-E-S-P-E-C-T. It's as different as pink and blue. Um, that's the metaphor we used last week. You remember this whole thing, right? For how men and women see the world. We say a woman is wired really to crave love or it's her nature to kind of nurture. She sees everything through the prism of, of love and intimacy. And she sees through pink lenses is what we said. She hears through pink earphones. Men, on the other hand, actually views the world through blue. Blue is the language of respect, right? Of honor and appreciation for who he is in his spirit apart from his performance. And it, ca- it causes us to see the, the world differently. And the trouble really occurs when either the man or the woman interprets the other through the wrong set of lenses. Maybe some of you experienced that this, this week. How many uh, actually, uh, you know, you celebrated Valentine's Day in some sort of way? You know, maybe you're, you're uh, wow, whoa, down with love. Okay, this is, I see what's going on here. Um, let, let's just say, I don't know, what, whatever, is it single, dating, engaged, married, whatever. Maybe you have this one, you know, it's Valentine's Day, and let's say, you know, the guy decides, you know, he's going to take, take, you know, the, the woman out, and he knows enough not to miss this, because he's not the most sensitive guy, you know, he doesn't see, he doesn't think pink naturally, but he's like, uh, you know, I know I shouldn't miss this thing, so he's like, I'm going to take her out to dinner, and he actually arranges this still thing, like actually gives it some forethought, looks some stuff up on the internet, and, you know, it says, I'm going to pick you up and everything, goes to the Hallmark store, actually reads through a few cards, he's like, oh, you know, this one is perfect for us, and so on Valentine's Day, he leaves, he leaves work early, actually has to disappoint his boss, who wanted him to like stay late, but he's like, I gotta get out, I gotta, you know, hot day, I gotta, you know, stops her flowers, arrives, you know, picks her up, big kiss, and all far, you know, so far so good, l'amour, and, uh, and he says, hey, happy Valentine's Day, you know, sweetheart, I'm, you know, to, I, I'm, I'm taking you out, surprise, you know, just you and me, special dinner, and he's like, you know, you know what, do you, what do you feel like, where do you want to go, you, you pick, you know, and she says, oh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, um, and, and he says, no, you know, Blue says, no, seriously, like, like don't, don't worry about costs, wherever you want to go, if you tell me. And, and she says, I don't know, you decide. <laughs> right, you have that one? And, and he's because like, what? No, 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 really, like, where do you, where do you, tell me where you want to go. She goes, it doesn't matter where we go, you decide. And he goes, you, you sure? And, and, and mm-hmm, right? And, uh, and Blue, of course, is something like this. He's like, oh, all right, well, you know what? Jim at work, he mentioned this new place. They got these, like, super-sized steaks. It's, like, extra th- thick cut. It's, in, it's, in, that, um, it's in, that, in that strip mall out on 46. It's right next to Taco Bell. Between that and the Dairy Queen, it's awesome. We go there for dessert. What do you say? And, uh, and of course, of course it, it kind of goes like this. She doesn't even say anything. She just goes, I don't want to go there. And he's like, you just said, you know, you, you, wait, wait a minute. You just said you, you didn't want you, that is This is not fair. Because Blue goes, he doesn't say this because he's not verbal enough to say it, but this is what he's thinking. <laughs> he, he says, you just told me you wanted me to decide, and then I decide, and you decide that I don't want to go where, you, where, you decide, where I decided. What is that, you know? And he grabs the keys and storms out, and you know, I'll be in the car. He stomps off. Two goodwill people, right? Sweethearts on Valentine's Day, both stomping off on one another. Now, what in the world happens? We know this. We laugh because we, we recognize this. And, and the problem, of course, is pink. You know, what, what, what's her core value? What's she thinking at that moment? She's very conscious of love, gentlemen. So she filters everything through this pink. And, and here's what she's processing as this unfolds. She won't tell you this, but this is what she's thinking. She's thinking, well, if he loves me as much as I love him, he would figure out where it is I want to go without me having to tell him. <laughs> and, and that's... that's 
That's how God wired her to, to experience things through the lens of love. Not wrong, just, just different. Because see, Blue sees this differently, by the way. From a Blue perspective, he's like, she lied. I asked. She pretended she didn't have an opinion. I go through all this trouble. Now she's like playing games. What is this? Who's right? Yes. Who's wrong? Yes. See, it just depends whether you want to, want to read things through, through pink or blue. It's like this. How, how do you read this phrase? Take a look at this phrase. What, what do you read there? What's that say? God is nowhere. Oh, God is now here. Oh, it really depends how you see this. It tells a lot about you. I mean, some people are believers, you know, who see God's presence and everything. Their God is, God is now here. What a hopeful statement this is. And some of you are like, wait a minute. God is, I saw God is nowhere. And if you're a believer in Jesus, you ought to start freaking out now, okay? That's like, you know, it, it's just different. Not wrong, just different. Um, it's really as different as, 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 as pink and blue. Not wrong, just different male and female. And, and this is, again, I'm indebted to the, Dr. Emerson Egerich for the, this message. He is the author of, of Love and Respect. I told you we sold out of those, the whole case of those books last week. We have two new cases in at the Welcome Center. So you can pick it up. But there's key distinctions between how male and female communicate. We laugh because we know it's true. It's familiar to all of us. But it makes all the difference in relationships that succeed or fail. Let's say they make it, um, that couple makes it to dinner and, and they, they compromise and they go to the Olive Garden. So now no one wins. And, um, <laughs> and they order. It's a little awkward, but he tries again, gets out the card, you know, that he bought her and, and even wrote a little something in it and slides across the table. Now she's reading. Now she's like, oh, you know, and, and, and he's like, now it's more like it. She's responding while I was hoping and she's smiling and, oh, there's maybe even a tear in her eye. And then all of a sudden she goes, Nice. And he's like, what, what, you know, what is it? She goes, nice, nice card. He's like, I, I, I spent time picking that out. She goes, well, yeah, it would have been perfect if it were my birthday. And, you know, you can just, you know, the guy, the guy's just like, let me see that. What the, you know, like, like, you know, and they, and they make it through dinner and the whole time all he can think, you know, he's going to be polite about it, but he's going to be like, you know, why do I even bother? <laughs> you know, I can like never please her. Everything I do is wrong. I shouldn't have even bothered. You know, next time I'm, I'm, I'm working late because everything's a test. See, Blue is wired to hear things through the language of respect, of appreciation and honor and esteem. Even when, when, his, when his efforts are, are flawed, his attempts to actually express care, and only his faults and his failings are highlighted, guess what? He's going to react negatively because his, 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 his good efforts aren't being, what is it, honored and, and venerated and, and, and esteemed. They're being disrespected. And, and he's, most guys, honestly, a lot of times they'll bail on a relationship because they're like, you know, would it just, would it be too much? Just, I'm just all I'm asking for is just a little respect, just a little bit. When I come home, just a little bit. That's how the song goes, isn't it? What I want, baby, you got it. What I need, you know that I want it. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And some of you are thinking like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, but that's the woman's song, right? Aretha sang, sings respect. Isn't that what women want most? Let me let you in on a little known musical secret. You're right. Aretha Franklin recorded that tune in the late 60s when the feminist movement was just hitting its stride. And it actually be, quickly became the anthem for women. All they were asking was for a little respect when they got home. But what's interesting, what you may not know, is who originally wrote that song. You know who literally wrote respect? Otis Redding. He wrote the song as a message to his wife. Whoa, yeah. He literally released it as a single in 1965, two years before Aretha ever recorded it. What I want, baby, you got it. What I need, baby, you know you got it. 
All I'm asking is for a little respect when I come home, just a little bit. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. Here's what the Bible says it means. Just as a woman needs to feel loved and nurtured and cared for at the deepest parts of her soul, a man needs to feel that the woman notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, esteems that she, that she loves and admires him exceedingly. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. That's how a man spells love. And this is a revelation for, for many um, women because we live in a love-dominated culture. That is true. Um, just anecdotally, how many of you actually bought like a Valentine's Day card this week? Or you, you got one or somehow you got in on that? Okay. Um, Hallmark, you know, has a card now for every occasion, every like relationship and variation. But I challenge you to find a card. I defy you to find a card from a man to a woman with, these, with this sentiment. Baby, on this day, I want you to know I really respect you. You're just not going to find it. Because that's not what women most want most. Their core value is affection and, and, and feelings of that. And sadly, you won't find that on cards for men either. Because the emphasis in our love-dominated culture is predominantly on pink. That's just the way it is. Respect's not understood. Um, it's not just our popular culture. It's the church too. Growing up in the church for the last 36 years, I've heard hundreds of sermons on unconditional love, right? I mean, that is a primary theme of the gospel. There's good reason for it. I emphasize that in most messages because it is the nature of God. However, when it comes to male-female relationships, to focus only on unconditional love is only to tell half the story. That's why most men walk away from relationships here is like, just kind of like, whatever. <laughs> Uninspired. See, to neglect the, an equally essential ingredient of respect, unconditional, for a man, it's like cutting off the fourth most important ingredient to him as a human being. The first three are like oxygen, water, and food. <laughs> Respect is that important, ladies. I know this is um, difficult to grasp, but this is true. In fact, both scripture and science bear this out. Let me actually give you a woman's perspective. There's an author, her name is Shanti Feldman, and she commissioned a national study, actually gave men a choice between two very bad situations. But she said, which of these two bad situations would you pick if you had to choose one? What do you think men would prefer? Take a look at this. They were given the choice. A, to be left alone and unloved in the world, all alone, nobody else there and, and no one loving you. Or B to be surrounded by people, but to feel inadequate and disrespected by everyone. And of course, most women think, well, no brainer. I mean, who would want to be alone and, you know, in love, you know, feeling, you want to take a guess what the majority of men chose? 74% chose A, said if they were forced to choose, three out of four men would rather live alone and unloved in the world than to feel like they were inadequate or disrespected by everyone in their life. Science actually confirms what Scripture has been telling us all along, that God made us male and female, pink and blue, not wrong, just different. And this is, this is why God makes this critical distinction in Ephesians 5.33. Each one of you must love that woman, and she must respect that man. I want you to uh, open up your Bibles, if you would, to find Ephesians 5.33, and go ahead and circle that word love there. I want to teach you a little bit of Greek. Um, that word love there is also kind of misunderstood because it's not just a small t sentiment. Uh, the Greek word for love actually has three different variations. Um, you can even just write this in your notes, but, but, but the first word for, 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 Greek, for, for love in Greek is agape. And it means that unconditional love. That's actually the word that Paul uses here. Agape your, 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 uh, your wife, man. Now what's interesting is the second type of love is phileo. Can we all say that? Phileo. That is friendship love. It's like where you get the, the city name, uh, Philadelphia, the city of 
brotherly love. That's kind of friendship love, phileo. And the third kind of love is eros. That's, that's erotic love. This is kind of the sexual dimension of love here. And Ephesians 5.33, he's using the first one here. He's saying, he's saying you gotta, guys, you've got to learn to agape uh, that woman. You must show her unconditional love. But check this out. In the entire New Testament, there is not one reciprocal command for the woman to agape the man. And it's like, why? Why, why is that? Because pink needs no command to agape him. It's in her nature to nurture. It's how God designed the female nature to, to, to naturally, by, by, by default, show affection and care and compassion. That often comes naturally to women. But it doesn't always come naturally to men. It's not their first instinct. That's why Paul's like, I've got to instruct you to learn how to do this. Because by default, men may understand, they may think phileo, right? That's what they typically share like with their buddies, kind of a friendship, you know, affection. And, and you honestly don't need to command men to eros, okay? That, that's not a lot of extra motivation needed there. And, um, but Paul's like, husband, agape your wives. You're going to have to work at this because the language of love doesn't come naturally to you. It's not your default. Don't hear this as like, oh, men only need respect. They don't need love. No, of course they need both. Same thing with women. They need respect as well. It's just what's a primary and what's a secondary drive here. So God says, learn to agape men. Conversely, women, you're going to need to learn how to speak the language of unconditional not agape, respect to your husband because that won't come naturally to you. You lead with pink and blue has different needs. The core part of him that, that actually responds to gratitude, appreciation, honor for who he is as a man and what he does. It, it's, it, in short, God's basically saying, men and women, you're going to need to learn to do what doesn't come naturally to either of you. It's not a primary value to speak the language of, of gratitude and acknowledgement for a woman. But that's what men thrive on. The hard part here is that I don't think anyone has an argument with the agape part of Ephesians. Everyone instinctively knows, well, unconditional love. We hear all about that. It's vital in any relationship, whether it's dating or engagement or well into the marriage years. But it's this reciprocal command. Women show unconditional respect to him. What? That's the red flag one for most of us, honestly. Because a lot of women, you know, worry, well, like, well, you know, that's fine. Uh, but uh, here's, what if he isn't worthy of respect, right? I mean, respect is earned. What if that guy doesn't really do anything that like deserves respect? That is a, an honest fear. I'll just call that thing out. That if you accept a man just as he is and don't actively chide or coax or encourage him to become more, then he'll just walk all over you, right? I mean, that's, like, that's the secret fear, ladies, isn't it? Whether you're, whether you're single or married, that one day you'll end up in a situation like this. Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near? Just like me, they long to be close to Decided to create a dream come true 
show respect for a man who is so oblivious to the needs of, of pink and, 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 and kind of insensitive, just to say nothing of basic hygiene. The idea of showing unconditional respect is troubling to a lot of women. And I understand why that red flags go up. If I, if I defer to him and, and don't, you know, it's like I'm condoning his bad behavior. He'll take advantage. He won't change. He won't, I'll end up feeling taken for granted and unloved. If I'm subservient, he'll walk all over me. And so unconditional respect is very misunderstood. It doesn't come naturally, says Paul. That's why God commands it, actually. But it's the key to the masculine soul. This is the trick here. Um, you guys know author Mark Twain, American uh, satirist. He actually said once, I can live for two months on a good compliment. <laughs> what that means is, is that the average man can make it through an entire year on about six good compliments. <laughs> you praise the performance. You respect the man. See, the compliments are the currency of blues world. You praise the performance, you respect this ma- the man. I saw this on display last week in the lobby right here at Liquid. Uh, after the morning services last Sunday, I'm talking to this, this young married couple. They must have been newlyweds. You'll you see why in a minute. Because uh, I was talking with them. I was like, like oh, it's, it was great. You know, good to talk to you. And I was moving on. And the wife grabs me and just goes, oh, Pastor Tim, just, I got to tell you this. This is amazing. He, do you know how amazing he is? And I was like, uh, no. And he's like, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and she goes, no, I just have to brag a little bit, you know, on so-and-so. She's like, he actually, he, 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 he works all, he got in last night at 2 a.m., still made it to the service, but he traveled all week. He was in and out of seminars and meetings all week, but I got to, I am so proud of him. Not only did he do awesome at his presentation, tell him what your boss said. And he's like, no, no, you know, and she's like, he said, it's the best he's ever seen this quarter. And he, and, 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 and he had him stand up in front of all of his coworkers. As an example. And as she's talking, I'm watching him and literally it was like his chest was like swelling. It was like this air hose got attached to his soul, you know? It's like, do you know how that makes him feel, ladies? When you express appreciation for a man's work or effort, which is strongly connected to his identity, when you acknowledge it, it makes a man feel like he can take on the world. It is highly motivating to Blue. Affirmation is the key to a man's heart. You show unconditional respect to a man, he actually will respond with love. That's how the dating dynamic starts and works and begins taking off. That's how romances begin. They always continue that way. But it's why men, by the way, talk so much about what they do on a date. I know that's like very far and white. Why is that? Because that's what guys talk about with other guys. It is tied to respect and identity. And when you're first dating, the, the woman is, is often genuinely interested. Really tell me more. Wives, when you were first dating, I guarantee you showed some degree of unabashed admiration for your husband's spirit, for who he is. You, you were like amazed by this guy. You wanted to know all about the deep parts of him, what makes him tick. That's why you asked about his work, his hobbies, his dreams. That's energizing to a man. That's where the relationship takes off. But somewhere along the line, usually it's after the first year or two of marriage, it actually ceases to be the case. Um, because this guy who you were once enamored with somehow turned into like Shrek, you know, this like insensitive ogre. Now he's like stepping all over your needs and maybe he's hurt you by his negligence or by his bad behavior. And so you figure, well, you know, Bible says I'm his, you know, help me. So you start to correct him, right? That's what you do with Shrek. You begin to be, begin, be critical, highlighting all the ways you fall short. It's interesting. After the late service last week, I saw the opposite dynamic. A little bit older couple shook, shaking hands at the door. And the wife, this is so funny. She, I could see this coming. She thanks me. She goes, thank you so much for that, Pastor Tim. We've been married 27 years, and that was an awesome message. He really needed to hear that. <laughs> and, and she was like, do you have any more of those books? I got to buy two for him. I was like, I was like wow, you got the message? You know, like... Um, it's like men in Jesse just like cringe. You can see it in a man's face. His eyes just kind of look away, distracted. Because here's the secret, ladies. Guess what? Men aren't motivated by criticism. 
They're not. In fact, publicly pointing out his shortcomings actually is interpreted as deeply disrespectful by Blue. Most men interpret Pink's criticism as contempt for who he is. You're not satisfied with the way he is, so you need to control or change him. It's funny. You ask the average husband, does your, does your wife love you? Yeah. Does she like you? No. No, not everyone. Because he hears criticism, even when it seems minor, as contempt. That's how it works in his world. Most men interpret criticism as contempt. That's why respect is essential. Anyone watch the, uh, the, the congressional hearings with Roger Clemens this week, the whole steroids thing? They had Roger Clemens appear before Congress under allegations he took steroids. It was interesting because he had his lawyers with him and they were battling back and forth with Congress. We'll show you a picture of this thing. But it was interesting because Clemens' lawyers got really angry at Congress because they were like, you know, you know, kind of a smear thing. It was like kind of all this innuendo. And what was interesting is his lawyers were outraged. But before every statement at which they yelled back at the court, they begin it with these words, with all due respect. Why is that? Why do lawyers say that phrase? before they register their objection or their sharp criticism because they could be held in contempt of court, or in this case, Congress. And so they temper their criticism with, with, with all due respect, Mr. Chairman, really appreciate the job that you're doing. Um, that's the most outrageous allegation I've ever heard. <laughs> it's about tone. It's about deference. It's about rational exchange, honoring the other party, even when you're deeply offended by what they've said or did. And so you see the problem. You know, many women are, are gifted by God with, with, with great, you know, emotion. They're highly verbal. And in a conflict, they'll often use those skills to get the man to change. And you can criticize and, and control all you want. But guess what? It will never change him. It, unfortunately, it, when you try to change him, the more you prod and, and, and use criticism as a stick, the more resistant he becomes. Even more um, benign forms of disrespect, because some of you, maybe you're, you know, Maybe you're in a dating relationship or, you know, you're making connections with other single folks and, and you're like, you know, I want to I do this thing right. I, I want to make sure I'm not offensive. I speak the language of love. So I'm not going to be criticizing or controlling. I'm going to be more, um, more mothering to him. You know, ever see that one kind of, you know, attempting to kind of, you know, use like good, good positive things like a carrot. This is how you lose a guy real quick, by the way. Okay. Um, in fact, I want to show you a clip from the movie, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. You guys see that movie? Um, the premise, as you know, is for the woman, Kate Hudson, to actually try to get the guy, Matthew McConaughey, to dump her in 10 days or less. Guess how she tries to do it? Remember, respect is the currency of Blue's world. Watch her intentionally step on his air hose and get him to react. Give him a week. Yeah, ladies over fours. Huh? Damn. Not, hmm? I have a three and an oh, eight. Nice. Yeah, it does not get any better than this. Pennykins, I'm home. Hey, Andy. She has a key? Is that legal? I wasn't expecting you. How'd you get a key? Oh, honey, uh, Francesco, you're super. He made me a copy. Francesco, huh? Hmm. All right. You're not mad, are you, Binky Winky? It's me! Listen, I'm in the middle of a meeting. Can I call you back in just a minute? Uh, catch a movie or something a movie my choice your choice oh i'm so excited okay uh call you later what are you thinking about i'm sorry i'm sorry 
Robert, what's on your mind? I like this movie. Oh, so I suppose your mind is a complete blank. You are my family. You're all I've got. Who is she? Who's who? The girl you're thinking about. Can't hear. I'm not thinking about a girl. Oh, you can't watch it. Make Ryan for two hours and not be thinking about another girl. Horn, look around the horn, look around the horn. Frida's Tony and this is Thayer. Oh, hey. yes, Benny Winnie's told me so much about you, too. Right. Oh, well, oh. Benny Winnie said oh. wonderful things about you. So. <laughs> Honey, look mm. what I got for us. <laughs> look at that. <gasps> oh, <wow. laughs> look at him go. What is it? Jumper. <gasps> it's a Chinese crusted, of course. Oh, wait, there's more. What do you got there? Oh, nice. For me? Get out of town. Try it on. It's like the inside of a raincoat. Medium. Oh, yeah, that is going to fit nicely, sweetie. Thank now, you. Now, Ben, put it on. I know. <laughs> Blow. Nobody likes a Mr. Sniffles. I hate Mr. Sniffles. <laughs> Come on, stop it. Boy. Good. Mm -hmm. Healthy. <clears throat> Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Our love fern! It's dead. No, honey, it's just sleeping. You let it die. You're gonna let us die? You should think about that. That, ladies, is how you lose a guy in 10 days. <laughs> By trying to control or manipulate or mold him into the man he currently is not because he understands you're not satisfied with who he is at the core of him. And when you begin treating him like a child, no matter how benign or criticizing him in ways in which he was guaranteed to lose respect in front of his peers. That is the, that is the language of disrespect and guaranteed. It will drive a man off if you're dating and if you're married, it will shut him down like nothing else real quick. A lot of women make the mistake of believing they're the one they're responsible to change uh, the man and they assume roles that uh, more than if you're, you're a wife, you're also like, I'm mommy too, you know, got to bring him up right, you know, or your teacher, or sometimes you're even like, I'm going to take the role of the Holy Spirit. I feel like I can help convict him of the error of his ways. Like the Holy Spirit needs a little help with conviction. Here's a newsflash. There are no vacancies in the Trinity here, okay? This is, you need to trust God to change and mold that man. No matter how much you want to believe you're chiding or scolding or strategic, just encouragement will somehow motivate him to do better. Just the opposite will occur. It will shut him down. It will cause him to go the opposite way because criticism is the opposite of unconditional respect. It says, hey, I love you, but I'll only respect you if you change this. And, and, and I know a lot, you know a lot of women are like, well, that doesn't seem so bad. That's because you're listening through pink hearing aids. 
I want you to imagine, women, if you're, if you're a wife and your husband said, um, you need to know, I really respect you uh, as my wife, but you got to understand, I am not going to love you unless you do, you look a certain way, respond a certain way, I, you know, I respect you, but you've got to change for me to love you. You'd be devastated. You, you know that automatically, it's just the reverse with blue. If your actions say, I love you, but I don't respect you, that's conditional. I'll only show you respect if you earn it. That's devastating to a man. It deflates and defeats his spirit. And in the Bible, the book of Proverbs is considered the book of wisdom. And uh, in, in chapter 21, verse 19, it has this proverb, better to live in a desert with a qu- <laughs> than with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife. Sounds like a fortune cookie, <laughs> you know, an angry fortune cookie. But it, it simply... Scripture giving words to what statistics showed us earlier. Remember, a man would rather live alone in a desert, unloved, than to go through life bearing constant criticism, daily negativity, and biting critique in a relationship. He needs respect the way he needs air, and when he's cut off from it, he's going to withdraw. He will go off by himself, he'll stonewall, he'll isolate. That's what we do. We go out, I'm going out for a drive, I'm trying not to react. (laughs) Which, of course, is upsetting to the woman because it's like, ah, he doesn't even care enough about the relationship. And so pink becomes more negative or critical. Well, what's the matter with you? Why, 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 why? And, and blue starts shutting down further. And you keep that cycle up long enough. Well, you saw last week what happens, right? It ignites what we call that crazy cycle, right? This kind of, this kind of dynamic where, where without love, she doesn't feel love. She reacts without respect. And without respect, then, he reacts without love. And without love, she starts getting louder and jacks it up and and he feels more and more disrespect. And so he reacts more and more uncaring ways and callously without love. And round and round it goes. And where it stops, nobody knows. And the situations change and the issues are always different, but the underlying dynamics are the same and it implodes. And that relationship never makes it to the altar or the marriages that do never make it to the finish line. Because you can adjust a situation, but that unless you address these core values that understand and learn a new language underneath... You'll never get past just the symptoms. Colleen and I have had this going on for a while uh, in one particular area. I was really bad about, uh, got married, I really cheated in terms of coming home on time. She, she, she's, you know, obviously she's home all day with the kids, and that's very overwhelming. Six o'clock for the kids, by the way, is like the witching hour. I don't know what happens to them. It's like school's over, dinner hasn't started, and they like go bonkers off the wall. And so she's like, if you could be home at 6.15, please, I'm just overwhelmed. And, and uh, so it means a lot. Now, I have a pretty heavy load at, at work, and, and getting out on time can be a challenge. And, and I've, I've made great strides in this area. I used to be like an F. I'd be like, you know, if I was supposed to be at home at 6.15, around 6.45, I'd be like, oh, you know, well, get in the car around 7, then I'd call her and be like, hey, sweet, uh, you need anything at the store? Just thinking of you on my way home, kind of cover that up. And, uh, but now I'm like a C plus, like three or four out of five days, and I'll get home around 6.15. But when we get in this rut, whenever I'm, I'm like, even just like 15 minutes late, I, when I walk through the door and I'm thinking like everything's okay, I boogie to get out. And so Blue walks in and she's right there and she's like, you know, she's not like angry, but she's like, what happened? And, and I'm like, what? It's, it's six, you know, 27. Like what's, what's, what's the big deal? She's like, it's, she's like, it's 629. Okay. And the kids are bouncing off the walls. Now she's not unreasonable. But she's feeling overwhelmed. She just wants me to understand, like, this is, this is nuts in this house. It's hard for me to bear. I need your help. And she's feeling like she's not, I'm, she's not a priority again. And so, so I'm like, look, what do, what do you want me to do? Look, we need to talk. This can't, this can't keep happening. And now I'm immediately feeling, like, defensive. And, and I'm like, okay, sweetheart, look, I just put 10 hours in with, with difficult church people. Sorry. And, and, uh, and, <laughs> and, this, and this is the greeting I get? 
Like, come on. I start getting defensive. And I'm like, you know, what's, what's the big deal? It's, you know, 17 minutes, 18. And, you know, and it's like, she's, and this is when, you know, then it's good because she's like, I know 70 minutes is like nothing to you, but you try being with these kids all day. And now I'm like, okay, like you're minimizing what I do. Talk about this. This is how blue hears it, ladies. All right. And I'm like, Look, what, what, okay, what's the big deal? Come on, guys, come here. And I grab their hands, you know, and I go downstairs. I'm like, wow, this is hard. And I turn on, you know, Nemo or something. And that quiets them down. Of course, it just shows I don't even understand, you know, what it's like to be a stay-at-home mom all the time. But that doesn't matter because I'm in defensive mode. So I, you know, I, I mute Nemo for just a sec. Just, just, and, and able to yell up the stairs. Just loud enough for her to hear. Well, you just play nicely down here, guys, okay? Your mother needs some time to chill out. Which does not warm her heart okay this is <laughs> she's feeling deeply uncared for at this point and you come you know i come up the stairs and she's just like why didn't you just call me <laughs> you know communication i'm learning is even a, even a 30 second phone call is a sign of care and understanding in, in pink's world and so like i look i actually had to call the office on the way home because i had to finish a meeting i had to cut out of early and now you know you're lucky i come home at all you know so and so he travels every other week to hong kong How'd you like it if I did that? I, I sell some of you out. Sorry, guys. And, um, and she's like, yeah, well, at least he calls his wife every day. You know, and, and, and round and round it goes. Without love, she reacts. Without respect, without respect, he reacts. Without love, and round and round it goes. And couples fall into these ruts. And pretty soon, that's just the default dynamic. And neither one feels good about it. Both feel actually powerless to get out. And you do that for enough years, and suddenly you start to look, and you're like, who, who is this person? And she'll rack her brain like, how do I get through to him? How do I get him to change? And all he thinks is like, how do I get away from her? Proverbs 21.9 actually offers a very practical solution for, for men who want to jet. It says, better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. And some of you guys are like, the roof? I never thought of that. Like, so, <laughs> so it's like, where do you go from here? All right, if you are in a, 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 a relationship rut or at an impasse, because showing unconditional respect, especially when you feel like you aren't being treated well in return, I mean, that seems like a real stretch. Because some of you honestly are like, you know what, you don't know him. If I accept him as he is, I'll be like a doormat. He, he, he will never change. He'll just walk all over me. And you know what? That's possible, I suppose. It really is. But is it just possible that God knows something you don't? Is it, is it just possible that unconditional respect has the power to accomplish what criticism never will? Let me show you this up close, as down and dirty as this gets. I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 24. It's on page 205 there in your Bibles. I want everyone to turn to this. I'm, I'm just going to walk us through this really quickly, but it's a powerful passage that shows what happens in God's economy. This is with King David and King Saul. You guys know King Saul. He was actually, maybe you don't, he was king of Israel, very powerful guy, actually was, was anointed, voted in by the people. This is our king. And so he's in a position of authority, but here's the problem. The Spirit of God left King Saul, and he became a nutcase, basically. He was threatened by everybody. He was always very insecure, an insecure man. And so David, young David, the shepherd boy, it's the guy who you know, beat Goliath, God said, you're going to be king. And when Saul heard that, Saul was like, kill that guy. And he actually threw spears at David, and he mounted the whole Israelite army to go out and hunt David down and kill him. That's where we are in chapter 24 here. And it says, after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, oh, David's hiding in the desert. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. So he gets the whole army to go hunt for one person and kill David, who's just an innocent, he's actually probably a teenager at this point, okay? This king goes after him, all right? 
When he came to the sheep pens along the way, a cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. <laughs> you know, this is like, you don't make this up. You know this is like a historical book. Because they're like, middle of this like, you know, chase scene, and all of a sudden the guy's like, bathroom break. And the king, Saul stops, and he actually goes into a cave to relieve himself. And actually it says, and David and his men were far back in the cave. Dun, dun, dun. So this murderous king drops his drawers, which is significant because he dropped his sword, which he would have been carrying, his weapon, and is in a completely vulnerable position. And people are like, if this was a movie, they would be like, oh my gosh, David is back in the cave. He can slit it. This is amazing. God's handing him over. And look what his friends say. He says, says, the men said, this is the day that the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. At times of conflict, oftentimes we call up our friends and they say, you know what he did? He did da, 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 da. Or she did da, 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 da. And you know what our friends typically say? They say, oh my goodness. You ought to, you, you know what? You are totally justified. Whatever he gets, he deserves. This is your moment. Oh, he deserves what's coming to him. Often we rally our friends to our corner and kind of cut to our right. And, and, and David's friends are like, oh, here it is. This is actually God ordained. This, you, you, you're like sinning if you don't kill this guy. Watch what David says. David crept up unnoticed and he cut off, he cut off Saul's head. No, it says a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him for he is the anointed of the Lord. And this is where it's troubling, folks. Because the truth is, is that in God's economy, he puts people into positions of authority in our life who are not necessarily respect worthy, who may not even be following God. Maybe you're married and, and you're married to someone who doesn't even, even follow Jesus or anything. It, or, or maybe you're married to someone. I mean, Saul, I mean, he, he's even doing evil things. And maybe you're married to someone who's really blown it big time or, or you know, or they have an addiction to porn or something or they've committed adultery. But you know what? Hard to say, but this does not exempt us apparently from showing them respect, from respecting the position that God put them in. Wives, that man you married is the father of your children. He may have blown it in small ways or big ways, but he was put into this role of your husband by God himself. And as the father of your children, God asks you to honor his authority, not as a man who is perfect, but trusting God, whether he deserves this or not. This is hard. He, David actually calls him my master, the Lord's anointed, meaning he's especially picked. And when we respect him, it's an, actually an act of respect to God for putting him in that position. And some of you are like, oh, you don't know my husband. <laughs> and I understand that. I understand. I want to be very careful here. But David was on the run for his life. You, gotta, you can't grasp this? This is a, he was really a teenager, but he's a, he's a young man being unjustly attacked and accused and relegated to living in a cave. Saul was making his life literally hell on earth. And David steps over the natural desire and the natural justification to strike back and see this is my enemy. Now, under, hear this. This is not like some excuse to justify like, okay, you just got to deal with it, ladies, if a guy is a bad mood and walks over. Not at all. You need to know that. If you are, if you are being physically attacked or abused, you need to get out immediately. That's obvious. We, we, you know this. This is not the point of this whole thing. But David had it bad. And to not see the other as our enemy 
and resist attack is an act of faith. Instead of nailing him at his weak point when he's vulnerable, we trust God to judge. Even if our friends unanimously agree, they deserve it. We leave conviction up to God alone. Look what David does. Verse 7. With these words, David rebuked his men and didn't allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. And then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Prostrate. That is is a position of honor and respect before this king, even though he is not worthy or deserving of respect at this moment. He is behaving badly. And David affords him respect, makes himself actually vulnerable shows his esteem and reverence, even though he's done nothing to deserve it. In fact, just the opposite. Now, here's the amazing thing. Watch the effect this has on Saul. You can't hear tone in the Bible, but you get the guy's face is to the ground. Verse 9, he said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you've seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some of my friends urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I won't lift my hand against my master because he's the Lord's anointed, the chosen. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but I didn't kill you. Now understand and recognize that I'm not guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I haven't wronged you, but you're hunting me down to take my life. Verse 12, may the Lord judge between you and me and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you've done to me, but my hand will not touch you. I won't return evil for evil. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. And he shows, prostrates himself before this king who has rallied his entire army to come and kill this man. And you realize he could get his head chopped off at this moment. But what is the power of unconditional, one gesture of unconditional respect on a hardened heart and a masculine soul? Look at verse 16. This is amazing. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, is is that, is, that, is that your voice? Dave, David? My, 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 my son, it's like, what? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I. He said, you, you've, you've treated me well, but I've, I've treated you badly. You, you, you've just now told me of the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me in your hands, but you didn't kill me. I mean, when, when a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. It's like scales fall from his eyes. Because respect has the power, one word, one gesture of unconditional respect. Trusting God will do more to change the heart of a man than a thousand words of criticism. One gesture, trusting that man to God, letting God be the judge and the critic and simply respecting the role God has assigned can have a transformational impact on a man's heart. Saul has changed. Why? Because in God's economy, stepping over a fence and character deficits and instead responding with words of kindness and gestures of respect inspire a man, even a badly behaved one, to be better than he is. It transforms, it strikes at his core, his soul, and God's spirit has room to help him see, what have I been doing? How have I been treating you? I am so sorry to repentance. And this is hard. Unconditional respect, especially when, when he doesn't do anything to earn it, can have a transformational impact on the deepest soul of a man. Think of that movie, As Good As It Gets. Remember that a few years ago, Jack Nicholson? 
Jack Nicholson plays this curmudgeon named Melvin. And he's obnoxious. He is self-centered. He's rude. He's insensitive. He's uncaring to everyone he meets. But Helen Hunt plays this waitress, Carol, and she serves Melvin day after day. She's not a pushover. She doesn't don't hear this as like, you know, just get walked over, ladies. Just deal with the guy. Suck it up. No, 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 no. But she never returns his criticism. She uses soft words whenever he throws barbs. And the effect it has on Melvin is life-changing. Maybe you remember the famous line at the end of the movie? He actually starts, starts awakening these feelings of affection in him for her. And he tries to express it very awkwardly, but he expresses it this way. You, you, you make me want to be a better man. Lean in. There's, there's a secret here, folks. If one partner in a relationship changes, both change. The whole relationship changes. Why? Because that's how God designed the dance. It takes two to tango. Love and respect. We get love, but, but respect is, is a stretch. It is an act of faith. Believing that God can be trusted. Now, Next week, men, you got to strap it on because we're going to give you <laughs> some very concrete responsibilities to relate more effectively to Pink and her native tongue of love. But uh, I know we're focused on respect today, and that's because it really is misunderstood in our culture. But ladies, I hope you've heard this challenge to, to understand blue. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to him. Maybe you want to do something daring uh, tonight over, over dinner or wherever you go after this. Uh, if, if you are hanging out with a guy and your husband, boyfriend, or just a guy in general, just I, I dare you to say, so, uh, wow, interesting message. Um, is that really how you guys feel? I mean, I know, I mean that, I know that's scary. And, guys, if a woman asks you this tonight, so, you know, this whole respect thing, is, is that, that sounds like it's important to you. Do not go, I told you so. <laughs> Or be like, I've been trying to yell at you for 10 years, you know? You, you, this, you, you literally go, you know what? Uh, you know, there's some good points there. I see how respect would really, you know, motivate me to love you more. That's what I want to really learn how to do. Um, but you go ahead. You take a risk, ladies, and say, well, how, how, do you, how do you feel, you know, most respected by me? What makes you feel like I really appreciate you? And then you come back next week and we will learn some more together. Sound good? Okay, let's pray together. God, thank you so much. We are made in your image, Jesus. Um, you have shown us great love, the ultimate love, vulnerability on a cross, laying your life for us. We have no fear of you. Um, you are our authority, Lord. You are worthy of all our respect, Lord. You are fear and trembling, but we don't tremble because your respect is rooted in love and you've made us in your image, God. So I just pray right now for every man and woman, Lord. Give hope to all the single folks here, Father, who feel discouraged or disconnected or maybe have had relationships that haven't gone well. I pray that you'd breathe life and healing into marriages, Lord, or dating relationships, Father, that are, are stalled out and, and, and give us eyes to see, Lord, in a new way. Thank you for your word. Thanks for leading us into truth for your, through your Holy Spirit. We love you, Father, and um, we ask you continue to change us this month. In the power of Jesus' name, amen. Amen.